the sower. So we're going to, uh, as Brandon mentioned to you today, we're going to continue along the path. If you don't know me, my name's Tony. Uh, if you're a guest with us today, we're so happy that you're here. If you're online with us, welcome. I know sometimes people check us out online uh, before they come in. Trust me, this is a great group. We'd love to see you sometime. And for those of you that can't be here, you're traveling. Hi, glad that you're here. So today we're going to finish up. We're not going to finish. We're going to do our third week of four uh, on the sower. So let me start by saying, you know, I always like to start with some kind of statement, but let me just start by with really some kind of a confession. I guess it is. Maybe I should have called this confessions of a pastor, but uh, um, my life can get crowded. Now, I'm naturally an introverted person, um, and so it doesn't take a lot to crowd me, but I'm not talking about people as much, part of it, but my life can get crowded with my schedule and everything that's going on in my life. With my business, with my church work, with my family, with my recreation, with my emergency calls, and just simply the pressures of life. Next thing I know, I'm going through my weeks, and I'm going through my days, and I'm going through my months, and I just realize that my life is just getting crowded. My schedule's crowded. My, uh, my time is crowded. I don't have enough time for everything. And then when you take all of those things, and then you throw in the worries of life right? The future. Am I going to get cancer? Am I going to get sick? Or am I going to have enough for my family? Am my kids going to get to go to college? Or, you know, is my car not going to break down? Or the bills and the wants and the plans. And then you begin to take your calendar and all the stuff that's part of your life. And then you throw in the, the, those are the external pressures. And then you throw in those internal pressures of just life. The worries of life. I confess to you that I don't always do well with it. I, I don't always do life in this area well and with grace. And I fail at times at this. And I know all of you probably do too. As we get more into it, you'll be like, yeah, I understand. But my life gets so crowded that I don't always leave room. I don't leave margin in my life. For God to do what God needs to do. And for me to pick up on what's really important and going on. And so what happens is, is that I find too many times it's the non-important things that crowd me. It's the things that scream, tend to me now, that tend to not be the important things. And they crowd me and begin to choke me. Case in point. Last Monday, I'd had a crazy weekend. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Funeral, funeral planning, meetings, some couple crises, getting ready for Sunday, Sunday, just four days nonstop. Finished up with a funeral on Monday. I thought, I felt guilty about it, but did it anyways. I'm going to go home and just sit on the couch for four hours before someone comes home, like my kids. And I'm sitting there, and I forgot this was the day that my kids were all going to be there with their boyfriends, 
And I'm an introvert, so I'm like, me time, me time, it's time for me time. And then here comes there, and I love every one of them, death. But then I just started to get a little bristly because I felt crowded, right? Madison comes upstairs, she goes, Dad, what's that noise? I'm like, what are you talking about? She goes, that noise. And I said, I don't hear it. So I walk, I get up, and all of a sudden I faintly hear it. And you all know what I'm talking about, the sewer uh, alarms that are on the side of your houses and buildings. Anybody got those pits and you got the sewers? That thing's just going nuts. Red light flashing. And what you don't know is several years ago we had that happen and it backed up into the house. Yeah. And so I freak out. Run downstairs! Make sure it's not coming in anywhere. I pick the phone up. Brant! guess what's happening? He goes, Pastor, I'm in Florida. (laughs) Six inches of snow come tonight, Brant. No, I'm just kidding, Brant. He's like, call this number, you know, and I'm like, calling, calling. No, this is a Sunday. I'm sorry. This was Sunday night, wasn't it? Sunday night, nobody's answering. I'm thinking, nobody's going to answer on Sunday night. So I hang the phone up. And I'm thinking, okay, what am I going to do? I can't just turn the alarm off. Well, I can turn the alarm off, but the sewer's coming up. And so I go out there, and I open up the pit, and it's filled. It's filled up. And that alarm, that, there's little floats in there that once that float gets so high, the alarm's going off, right? And I'm thinking, okay, so I go over and hit the test, and it empties. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. But then whoever put it in, if it was one of you, I'm sorry, but you did the wrong thing. But... On these pumps, there's a water pipe that comes in that fills that, right? There's always a little hole in that water pipe that's supposed to be there. And it shoots water out into that, and it keeps it, you know, moving so it doesn't get bad. And it's supposed to be there. At first, I didn't think it was be there. I, I didn't realize it was supposed to be there. At first, I thought it wasn't supposed to be there. And so until the guy came the next day to fix it, and he goes, oh, that's normal. It's supposed to be there. Because whoever installed this you're supposed to install it aimed down at a 45 into the pit they aimed it up and so when i'd go start that pump it just shoots out of there like crazy water and it hits the side of this thing and it's water spraying up out of the pit all right i'm gonna tell on you mark mark's bo- my daughter's boyfriend's over and i go <laughs> mark I need you to stand over this pit. I'm going to go turn this thing on and you tell me if it's emptying, all right? I go over there and I, and I hear him yelling, man. He's like, oh, what is that? You know, and I'm like, what, what? I go over there, he's all covered in water. He goes, I said, just Baker poo, man. Come on. You didn't realize I knew to do that, did you? Sorry. Sorry, that's a story you can tell someday, you know? Oh. I left no margin in my life for these events. And I was upset. And I was stressed. And I'm walking around the corner, and in the kitchen I hear one of my daughters say, Mom, what's wrong wrong with Dad? Why is he so mad and stressed out? That hit me. And I thought, you know, can I control this? 
No. And I was, I was angry because I, I didn't leave any margin in my life for things like this. My life became so crowded that God wasn't allowed in that moment of pressure to produce good fruit. Instead, bad fruit was coming out of me. Do you all know what I'm talking about? Come on. Don't make the pastor stand up and be the only guy in the room that's just not perfect. I know you're all perfect, right? But that's where I was. And it just hit me. And this is something that I've learned and that I'm trying to learn is that when I allow myself to be so consumed by the wrong things, I, leave, I never leave room for Jesus to produce in me the fruit that needs to be produced. And here's what it says. Another way to say it is this. The fret of life kills the fruit of God in your life. The fret of life will kill the fruit of God in your life. I know I'm not the only one here. We all have crazy schedules. We all have complete control over our schedules, by the way, right? My wife reminds me later, well, you're in control of your schedule. No, I'm not. Well, who else is then, right? We worry. We have these busy schedules. Life can be difficult to balance. Why? Here's why I think life can be difficult for us. Because we like our pay and we like our play. It's the American way. We like our pay and we like our play. Why was I so stressed out that day? Because I wanted to play. And for me, playing is taking four hours of just me time. That's how I play. For some of you, you play very differently. We worry about money because it makes us happy. And we want to be happy. So we worry about it. I've never met anyone who went into a job interview and sat down and the boss says, I'm going to give you $50,000 a year to do this job. I've never heard or seen anyone say, I don't think so. I want, I want 25. Wait, maybe I've done that in my life. No, seriously. Nobody wants less. We all want more. Why do we want more? Because we buy into this culture that more is better. And it fuels our desires. Money fuels our wants. It fuels our dreams. It fuels our sense of security. And we love our pay. So we stress out and we overwork ourselves and we get so caught up in the worry of money and stuff because we've bought into the the lie that it makes us happy and it makes us secure. We worry about our schedules because we love our hobbies. We want free time. Don't ask me to do anything. Don't put me on the calendar because when it comes Friday, man, it's my time. When it comes Saturday, it's my time. When it comes to Sunday, don't get me up on Sunday morning and go to church. It's my time. Because we like our play. We like spending time with our friends and our family and on vacations and out on the lake. And we get greedy with our time, don't we? I do. But here's the tricky thing. None of that is bad. 
That's the tricky thing about this. This is the slippery slope. This is what makes this so tricky for us and why I think all of us fall to this, into this soil that Jesus is talking about here in a moment. The trickiness of it all is because none of it is bad. But through the cares of the world and money, none of it's bad, but there's a tension there for those of us who are trying to live out the gospel to balance the world and what the kingdom demands of us. Register that? That's the tension for those who believe. That's the tension for those who have the seed of the kingdom growing in their hearts. When you listen to the gospel, when you read the gospel, when you listen to Jesus, there's always this tension there. Because we live in a world that has worries and demands, and at the same time, we're not supposed to worry and fall into the trap of the demands. And there's that tension. And Jesus said, for the Jesus follower, that these things can grow up and choke out the Word of God in you so that that Word that is growing in your heart never becomes fruitful. And that is the goal of the kingdom. That is the goal of the gospel. Just like a real garden. Anybody ever plant a garden? Anybody ever plant a garden and think, I'll go back to it in three or four days to see if it's growing. And you go back in three or four days and there's nothing but weeds growing. Nobody else is like me then, right? I remember one year, Madison and the kids wanted to do a garden, and we're like, hey, all right, but you guys are going to weed that garden. And we go out there, and it's like, where are the plants? There's nothing but weeds growing. These weeds can grow up, like Jesus said, thorns. You plant the seed, it starts to grow. There's good soil. The plant goes deep, and it begins to grow, but then the weeds overtake it. And here's the parable that Jesus is telling us today. And I'm just going to read part of what we've been talking about and then today's text. Matthew chapter 13, 1 through 7. If you have your Bibles, you can open up and follow along or I'll have it all up here for you. Later that same day, Jesus left the house and sat beside the lake. A large crowd soon gathered around him, so he got into a boat Then he sat there and taught as the people stood on the shore. He told them many stories in form of parables. Parables are earthly stories that bring a heavenly meaning to our life. Such as this one. Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seeds. He scattered them across his field. Some seeds fell on a footpath. That was week one. If you want to catch up, they're all out on our website. Just go out there and you can catch up. They're on podcast. The the hard soil. We talked about this being the hard heart. This is where the seed just kind of hits, like going out here and skipping a rock on the concrete. It just bounces off of it, lays there, never gets into the ground, never gets into our hearts. And the evil one comes and snatches it, and that seed never has an opportunity. That's the path, the footpath. And birds came and ate them. Other seed fell on shallow soil. We talked about that last week. That in that part of the country, you'd have about an inch and a half to two inches of dirt on top of limestone. And when the seed fell on that part of the field, the 
the seed would take root quickly and sprout up, but there was no deep root. And so the sun and the pressures of life would come and hit it, and it would just wilt and die. That seed was no good. The seed sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow. But the plants soon withered under the hot sun, and since they didn't have deep root, they died. Other seed, and here's our text for today, other seed fell among thorns. They grew up and choked out the tender plants. Now Jesus explains this in chapter 13, verse 18 and 21. I want to read that to you. Now listen to the explanation of the parable about the farmer planting seeds. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom, the gospel, and don't understand it. The evil one comes and he snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. Sometimes these are the most on-fire people, right? But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. And then today, the seed falling among the thorns refers to people who hear the word. And I'm going to stop there. The ground which represents their hearts, their hearts are good for growing the kingdom seed. This is the interesting thing about this person. They are open to the gospel. They are open to the word of God. They come to church. They go to Bible study. They read their Bible once in a while. They pray once in a while. They, they on the outside, appear to be committed, and they allow the seed to come into their life. And it even implies that this seed has begun to grow, to grow, and the plant is growing nicely. And we talked about this. The, the goal of the seed is to go up and out. And that is the kingdom. The kingdom will take you up toward God and out toward your neighbors to love them as yourself. And the plant begins to grow up and begins to grow out. And it's growing because they hear the word. But they're not like the rocky ground where the Roots won't go deep. Jesus is actually implying that the roots have gone deep. They've withstood the pressures outside. They've withstood the sun and the elements outside. And so the pressures of life haven't taken you out. You're staying faithful. But here, the seed lands, goes deep, grows, and there is a hope of fruit. There's a hope of it. There's a hope that what is growing in your life has the potential to really transform you, to really change you, to really turn your life upside down and do something in your life that you really want to see happen, but you've been trying to make it happen all the wrong ways. There is a hope of fruit, but Other things are growing along with the plant. These are the worries of life. These are the love of money, the lust of money. The word is heard. It grows. But there are other things also growing alongside. And Jesus calls these things thorns. Thorns. What are thorns? 
he goes on. Thorns are, nope, go back. I didn't get there yet. Quick draw McGraw. John. The worries of life. We talked about those, right? Now here's the funny thing about the worries of life. I mentioned this just in passing. They're not evil. I would have expected Jesus to say, the, the, the plant started to grow, but they became evil and sinful and rebellious, and they just turned their back on God. But he doesn't say that at all. Actually, the word has started to grow in them. The word is growing in them. The problem is they haven't fully committed to the growth cycle. They've allowed, they've gotten lazy at gardening the heart. They've allowed the weeds and the thistles to grow with the plant. And maybe in their mind they think, oh, these two things can grow together and I'll still get fruit. They're not evil. They're not sinful desires. They're not sinful actions. These are people who hear the word. The kingdom is growing out of them. They're allowing other things. The problem is the priority of their life is upside down. The priority should be to tend to the plant that is growing, to tend to the gospel that has been planted, to love Jesus, to grow closer to Jesus, but instead they are getting caught up in all the other things of life. And it's choking out the gospel. There's so much for us to really be worried about. I mean, coronavirus. I was walking through Walmart the other day and his family was there, and this guy was just sneezing like crazy all over the place. And I have to admit, I thought, coronavirus. <laughs> Worry about getting cancer, losing my job, paying for the mortgage, college expenses, kids' safety, the economy, the political landscape. Oh, my gosh, don't talk about that. Uh, country direction. All these things to worry about. You know, worry is a powerful thing in our life. Worry can consume you. Worry can just become this consuming fire in your life where all you ever do is worry about everything. Jesus doesn't say jobs, money, health, family, recreation are wrong. He doesn't say we shouldn't have those things. He says we shouldn't worry over them. We shouldn't lift them to a priority in our life where that's all we think about. We shouldn't lift those things to a priority in our life. You know, our lives are consumed by them. They are all we think about. All that we strive for, all that we live for. My life, listen, becomes about me. Ouch. You mean when I'm worried out of my mind? Yeah, it's one of the most self-centered things we can do. You say, well, that doesn't make sense. Yeah, it does. Because all you're doing is trying to protect and guard and control everything in your life so that it turns out good for you. Listen. You're going to suffer. You're going to lose people. You're going to get sick. You might even die. And that's not coming from me. Jesus said, in this life, you're going to have trouble. Now listen, that's not faith. Faith 
is not counting on God to make everything great for you. Faith is trusting in God when everything goes wrong for you. To holding on to a God that is eternal. That you can take my life, world. You can take this breath and this body from me. But guess what? I'm holding on to the one who has the keys to the kingdom of death and life. (laughs) That's who I'm holding on to. Worry makes life all about me. The gospel calls us to a different way of life, to not worry about these things, but instead to lay down our lives, to submit them to the kingdom, to submit them to the God and the King who rules over all of it. There is nothing that can separate you from the love of God, and that ought to be enough. It ought to be enough. But when we just worry about everything in our life, it becomes about me. The gospel calls us to lay it down. Listen, it is hard to be consumed with my it is hard to be consumed with my life and truly concerned with others. Do you see? Hear me. The kingdom is calling you to a different way to live. The gospel is calling you to turn from just life about you to life about others. To be concerned and consumed with the kingdom and what God wants to do in other people's lives. And when we worry about life, guess what? These become thorns and weeds that choke out that gospel. That message cannot get from here to here because there's weeds in between. So the worries of life are the weeds. Jesus goes on, he says, it's also the deceit of wealth. Jesus talked more about money than prayer. Why? Why did he do that? Because he knew as the God of the universe, the creator of all things, that the, the economy, the commerce of man will consume you. You will be caught up in this lie that it it will be the greatest competitor for your heart and God. God competes for your heart over your stuff, over my stuff. He competes for that because he wants us. And this is why my wife and I started a long time ago. We give 10% and maybe more. Not because it's a law of God. Not because I'm going to go to hell if I don't give the 10%. I do it because it keeps me in my head and my heart trusting in God. Thinking, I'm going to give this to God because I'm going to trust Him for the uh, the rest of it. So we just started a long time ago. That's what we give. If you're having a problem with wealth and money and your heart and Start giving. It truly will change your life. It'll, it'll make you trust God. And the blessings are great. Beyond compare. Not that it's a prosperity gospel. The blessings aren't always monetary or things, but the blessings are in knowing that my money doesn't have a control over me. Never has. It doesn't rule me. And that's what Jesus is saying. It's not choking the gospel out of my life. 
Jesus talked more about money. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You know, contentment is a difficult thing in life, isn't it? We live in a more is better culture. Happy. It makes me happy. It fulfills me. It makes me feel loved and respected. More simply is not achievable. I'm just telling you. Why? Because there's always... Yeah. Unless you're Michael Bloomberg or somebody with $60 million, right? $60 billion. I can't even fathom that. There's always more. More is never achievable. Look what Proverbs 18.11 says. The wealth of the rich is their fortified city. They imagine it a wall too high to scale. Well, we have found out that that is not true. There is no security. Money isn't going to give you peace. Money isn't going to fix your loneliness. It's not going to buy you friends. It's not going to fix your marriage. Enough is not a number, but a condition of the heart. And Jesus calls us out on this. And he calls the lure of money a thorn bush that kills our ability to grow in the right direction. And then he goes on, he says, okay, the, 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 the worries of life and the love of money, the deceit of money, he says this, next, choke the word. Now that word that they use, choke, you know, the seed spread, it lands on good soil, it's growing, thorns are beginning to grow as well, and we allow them to grow. And Jesus says that the worries and the deceits of life choke the word. That word choke is actually in the historical present singular it's a verb and it pulls this idea that the subject which is two subjects become one the worries of life and that deceit of money work together it's not one or the other they go together and what it really boils down to is this life becomes about me and my happiness, and my joy, and what makes me feel good. And that chokes out the gospel. Why? Because the gospel wants to move you away from you, and toward God, and toward others. And the kingdom of God depends on that. The kingdom of God must see that happen. It says it chokes out. It, the word can also mean to crowd in so that it's so crowded. Like me in my house, upset. I felt so crowded with just the pressures of everything that I had no margin to produce good fruit. But instead, bad fruit came out. And if you've ever gone to a garden that has been choked out by weeds, remember the sorriest tomatoes you'll ever find right? It's just not good fruit. It's not good. Jesus goes on, he says, chokes out the word, and then he says, making it unfruitful. So the parable, as I said earlier, are stories, earthly stories about heavenly meanings, about spiritual meaning. Jesus is teaching the purpose of the kingdom to us. And I've been saying this over and over again. The Word of God is a seed that is planted in you. 
When you hear a word, when you hear a truth, when you hear the gospel, when you put your faith in Jesus, that is a seed that is planted in every heart that will receive it. Some hearts won't receive it. Some receive it, but they can't go any deeper because they won't eliminate the barrier right below the surface. And then some, the seed grows and it sprouts up and you have life in Jesus and you become part of the church and and on the outside you look like a faithful believer and you probably are. But the problem is you allow these other things to begin to take root and continue, this is the key, to continue to grow. You'll never get these things to not grow in your life. But you're allowing them to continue to grow so that they'll choke out what the gospel wants to do. He says, to be unfruitful. Jesus gives us this idea that the kingdom's purpose is fruit. It's fruit. And you might ask yourself, what does it mean to be fruitful? What does it mean to be fruitful? The Bible talks about bearing fruit. It's a phrase that you see all over the place. It's a phrase that describes an outward action. It's a a thing that we do that is good because of something that has happened from the inside. It's a spiritual fruit that comes from the inside out into our world to make the world a better place, to help change a life, to embrace a lonely person who is lost, to love someone when they feel unlovable. It's, it's to do a good deed, to give to those that are needy. This fruit that comes out of us is something, it's not just a good work. It's not just joining the Peace Corps and going around the world and doing something. This kind of fruit that lasts, that changes, that makes an impact in the kingdom of God, it's something that comes from the inside of a person who believes in Jesus, is growing and producing this fruit out here. And the only way for the fruit to grow and to produce, Jesus says in John 15, you have to be connected to the divine. You have to be connected to Jesus. And being connected to Jesus grows this fruit in our life. Galatians chapter 5 says this, So I say, I walk by the Spirit. He says, so I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other. So they are not to do, so they, so that you are not to do whatever you want, but you, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now listen, the acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Here's the bad fruit that's happening all around us. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, and envy, and drunkenness, and orgies, and the like, and yelling at my kids because my sewer won't pump. These are things that are all around us, the bad fruit. Listen, because all of these things are about self. You cannot love God and your neighbor and do these things. And here's why Paul says, I warn you, as I did before, 
those who live like this will not inherit, here it is, the kingdom of God. Why? Because the kingdom is about producing a different kind of fruit. The seed, the word, lands on your heart. It wants to grow. It wants to produce. What does the, wor- what does the world, your workplace, your school, your family, your neighborhood, what does all of the areas of your life need the most? Listen, what does your life need the most? Debauchery? <laughs> Idolatry? Sexual morality? Impurity? No. What does your life need the most? What does your workplace need the most? What does your home need the most? What does your marriage need the most? It needs the kingdom of God. Why? Because the kingdom of God produces love and joy and peace and patience and kindness. These sound familiar? And goodness and faithfulness and gentleness. And here's one we all really need, self-control. Say, well, that's a pretty good list. Where'd you get that from? It's called the fruits of the Spirit. That is the fruit that needs to grow up in you. More love, more patience, more peace, more kindness, more goodness, more gentleness, more self-control. Those are the things that will grow all around you. But here's where The good fruit never grows, and we never achieve our full potential. When our lives are too occupied with worldly matters, when Jesus, when the gospel, when the word of God, when the kingdom of God is less of a priority for you, I promise you, weeds are growing all around the gospel that's planted in your heart. If Jesus ain't number one, he ain't producing fruit in you. See, that doesn't make any sense. That's what Jesus is saying to us. Don't allow the thorns to choke out the gospel. How serious is Jesus about this gospel thing and about making a difference? Look what he says. I shared this with my staff the other day. I think there's a uh, Matthew eight eighteen. When Jesus saw the crowd around him, he gave orders to cross to the other side of the lake. Then the teacher and the law came and they said, Teacher, we will go anywhere that you want us to go. We want to follow you with our whole heart. Next verse. Jesus replied, Foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Kind of poetic, right? Another disciple said, Well, I'm going to follow you, but let me first go and bury my father. Now listen. Listen what Jesus said. You want to know how serious Jesus is about this? Look what Jesus says. This is just crazy but jesus says follow me and let the dead bury their dead what that seems pretty heartless jesus knows something that if your heart is divided you'll always go to the side of the world and the concerns of your world and the gospel will never get a priority and Jesus is saying, for the fruit to be fruitful, for there to be a 30, a 60, a 100 fold of fruit in your life, your heart can't be divided on this. You can't love the world and love God. That's what he's saying. We're people drawn to God and also drawn to the things of the world. We can easily become consumed by career by house, by family, by car, by hobby, by wardrobe, 
These things can just consume us. We can easily become, about, become deceived by the lies that more is better. Money will take me, make me happy, fix my problems, give me security. Jesus says that the seed grows but is crowded by these things and chokes out the gospel. What do you do if you realize that thorns are growing up around you, that you've given too much priority to the worries of the world, too much priority to your stuff, too much priority to your playtime, your playthings. It's not that these things are bad, but what's the priority in your life? Is the gospel a priority? What do you do when the fret of life is killing the fruit of God? With God as the master gardener. Now listen. With God as the master gardener and you as his apprentice. You invite God to take a walk through the garden of your heart. You say, God, I need you to walk with me through the garden of my heart and begin to point out the things that in my life that are becoming weeds and thorns. And then you give him permission. You name them. You call them out. All along the journey with Jesus. Listen. I don't care where you are in your spiritual development. This is why I said to Brandon and the the team today, I said, you know, I think this message, let's be honest, there's probably not a lot of hard hearts here today. There might be a couple. You're not like rebellion against God. I hate God. I don't even want to be here. I'm only here because mom said she'd buy me dinner, you know. Probably not a lot of that. There may not even be a lot of shallow people. But oh man, Jesus hit us all in the head on this one. Because no matter where you are in your spiritual formation, in your spiritual development, no matter how many years you've walked with God, tending to the heart issue, tending to the garden of your heart is a daily task. Because these things tend to attach to us. And they're good things, but if we're not careful, eventually they will overgrow the gospel. And our life will just simply become about our religious experience or an experience I had 10, 15 years ago. And I'm in the church and I'm saved. Thank God I'm not going to hell. And we just, but what about the mission? What about the gospel? What about the fruit that God wants to produce around you and through you and out in the community? What about the kingdom of God? And that just kind of takes a back seat to our world. In our life. And no matter where you are in your spiritual development, we all have to kind of ask God, the master gardener, let's walk through our, this garden of my heart and let's start pulling up these weeds and these thistles. And it may not even be that God just wants to tear them out. It may just be He just wants to cut them down so that they're just not so important in your life. But if he wants to tear him down, tear him out by root and all, Lord. Do it. That's how you have to be. If you want fruit, love, peace, joy, kindness. These are the fruits of life that bring the kingdom of God to earth. Our worship team is going to come. You say, well, pastor, how, how should I do this? And I just said, Give the Spirit of God access to your heart today. Don't argue with Him. Don't fight with Him. 
And he may say it's okay to keep those things. You just need to cut them back a little bit. Because I want the gospel to grow up high and out. Let's, let's let these weeds and these thistles be just minor things. They're part of our life. I don't know about you, but if you try to grow a garden up there, you're just always going to have weeds. <laughs> I'm not sure we can ever get rid of all the weeds because they're, they're, you know, I'm not suggesting we all quit our jobs. Oh, come on, pastor. Tell me I can quit my job, right? Or not make money or not take vacations, or not have playthings, or not spend time with family. That's not what we're saying. That's not what Jesus is saying. He's saying these things simply overtake the gospel. How's your heart today? Does he have it all? We're going to sing a song. Here, I want, to, I want you to hear this chorus. Listen, you can have it all, Lord, every part of my world. Take this life and breathe on this heart that is now yours. Here's what I want you to do as they sing. If God's speaking to you, just stand where you're at and worship him. Just worship him by surrendering to him. Worship him by allowing him to pull up the weeds or thistles or cut the weeds and thistles down. But let's leave this place today. Could you imagine if we all left this place today and we all walked out those doors and the gospel of Jesus was priority in my life? Can you imagine what change we would bring to the world? Can you imagine that? If every single person left here and began to live out the fruits of the Spirit, well, how? People would be like, what is going on? with? They didn't flip me off for nothing on the road, man. Why are they so nice to me? Or they're not yelling at me, or they're kind to me, or they're gentle. Wow, they're practicing self-control. We would change the world if we would just live out the fruits of the Spirit today. But the gospel's got to be priority in your life, is it? If it's not, stand up as we sing this song this morning.